Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame again this week. I am your host, Keith Collins, and blessed to know i'm blessed to know that you're listening this week and i i pray that what you're going to hear will encourage you that it will strengthen you that it will bless you and that it will cause you to have a greater hunger for the lord and the things of the lord in your life you know we have been doing this now for quite some time and we've got a lot of episodes that um that we've been blessed to do and we've you know we've heard from different people that are being blessed by what we're doing and that always of course, encourages us and blesses us as we know that that many lives are, are being reached, and we know that this this broadcast is is going really around the world, um, you know, via podcast as well as um, you know via a radio signal that is reaching a lot of the world, and I think we're reaching about forty five percent of the world's population, or we have that capability to reach that type of of group and that that number of people so it is just a great honor to do what we're doing and i want you to know that you're a part of it especially those that pray for us each week um, those that stand with us financially what we do is not free it does cost to produce it also costs to to send this into different parts of the world so those that are standing with us of course first of all through prayer thank you so much your prayers are being felt and I believe you're having an eternal impact. So thank you for your faithfulness to to pray for us. And also, you know, those that, that do stand with us financially, you're a great blessing. We call our partners Impact Partners. Our ministry is Generation Impact Ministries. And um, you're making an impact. So thank you so much. Listen, if you'd like to stand with us, you can visit our website. You can go to keith-collins.org or impact the letter gf impactgf.org and both of those sites um, you can find a donate or a giving button and um, you can stand with us financially so we we appreciate your faithfulness again to pray for us and also those that that want to become impact partners whether it's a one-time gift or a recurring gift you can set up both of those in the um, in the websites there so thank you so much again for being a part of what we're doing and also for being a part of this program today. You know, the last um, four weeks I've been dealing with a subject that I've called First Love Fire. As if you've been listening at all in the last few weeks, you realize that I have written a book recently that I entitled First Love Fire. And I am actually taking 
material and different thoughts from the book and sharing on this program because I believe it's important for me to share these things. Um, again, I wrote this in book form. I would encourage you to go get the book. You can go to Amazon. The book is entitled First Love Fire. Um, subtitles Living a Life of Sustained Surrender. And I do believe that you will be encouraged, that you'll be challenged as you read this book. So you can get that on Amazon. But today, I, I want to pull some thoughts out of chapter four. Um, to be honest with you, this was a very sobering chapter for me to write. And, um, you know, one of those chapters that's not always the easiest to um, to process in the sense that it really wakes you up to cause you to evaluate what you're doing and while you're why you're doing what you're doing. I remember years ago I was down in Pensacola, Florida, and we were having some type of a, a reunion from the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry and the revival and different leaders were in and they asked me to, to share in one of the sessions and I remember that the Lord put upon my heart to share back then something I simply called the origins of actions. And in other words, why you do what you do. And I talked about heart motivations. You know, there's a lot of people that are in ministry because they want to be known, they want to be seen, they want to build a big following, they want to build a big income, you know, and those those reasons are all simply perverted. And, um, you know, they are not in line with what we see scripturally regarding the reason that God calls us to ministry. So that was a pretty sobering message. And to be honest with you, when I was writing this chapter, some of those thoughts came back to me. So this chapter is actually entitled The Deception of Self-Righteousness. And I want you to listen to a quote by Charles Haddon Spurgeon, um, who, of course, lived many years ago in England, but he was a great pastor, a great preacher, known as the Prince of Preachers. But listen to what Spurgeon said at one point. He said, Beware of self-righteousness. The black devil of licentiousness destroys his hundreds, but the white devil of self-righteousness destroys his thousands. And when I read that, I was like, man, that's really a strong quote. And what is Spurgeon really saying here? Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, listen, as far as sin, whether it be sexual sin, whether it be um, you know, lying or, or murdering, whatever. I mean, those, those types of sins, of course, destroys hundreds. But he's saying that the sin of self-righteousness destroys its thousands. And man, that, that, that really stood out to me. And I actually put that quote at the beginning of this chapter. But, but what is, um, what is self-righteousness and how do we define that from a biblical paradigm or from a, a biblical mindset? And, you know, we read in John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Now, I believe this is a, a very, um, very um, powerful verse here. And Jesus is literally saying, listen, that your righteousness or your obedience, your willingness to do what I've called you to do must be connected or tethered to the fact that you love me. He didn't just say, keep my commandments. He didn't just say, be holy, be righteous. And again, those things are important. We understand that. But then, no, Jesus literally says that, listen, your love for me is the thing that will bring forth works or acts that are pure and that are holy. Why? Because you love me. In other words, there are people that can do and display righteous acts or, or um, you know, righteous exploits or, you know, righteous duty or spiritual duty, and it looks to many people as if it's holy. 
But the fact is, if it's not grounded in a love for Jesus, then oftentimes it literally becomes self-righteousness. Jesus said in John 14, um, 21, he said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. In other words, there's this this tethering um, that comes from obedience and love and love and obedience. And again, the the title of my book I take from Revelation as as John writes the words of Jesus to the church of Ephesus that they had forsaken or they had left their first their first love and and he's basically saying listen you you can have all these great things in your ministry in your church I mean, the church of Ephesus, they were exemplary in so many things, and they were pure in so many things. But he said, you've done something. You have walked away from your first love. So the danger of doing that is that all those good works become self-righteous. And and I believe there's there's a deception. And what I mean by that is this. We can have so many good works and so much external um display that 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 appears holy and pure and righteous and it could even be connected to humanitarian things and again it's it's important to feed the poor and take care of the widows and all those kind of things i'm a hundred percent for that but oftentimes i believe there can be a mindset that that makes people believe that as long as they're doing those things that as long as they're faithful to those things then that kind of equates to a first love experience with the lord I'm here to tell you, you can do a lot of ministry activity. You can take part in a lot of ministry exports. You can go on missions trips. You can go down and feed the poor at the soup kitchen downtown. You can do a lot of different things, but but you can do all of those without having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I, I think that oftentimes many people kind of fall into that trap to where if they're not careful— that they will have a lot of activity and a lot of religious display, but they won't fully embrace an intimate walk with the Lord. And again, true obedience unto the Lord must come from a first love stewarded lifestyle. So so, so these things are, are important. And again, my, my concern here. Even in my own life, and I'm going to be transparent here. You know, I've been in ministry now for over 35 years, coming on 37, and um, have been blessed to do a lot of different things. But I know in my own life, there have been times when I've been so consumed with external activities, and they were good activities, that I have sometimes compromised in my first love walk with the Lord over the years and my devotion unto Him. And I've allowed those works and the ministry activity to take the place of intimacy with the Lord. And if I'm not careful, um, and as I've experienced these things, I mean, my mind can kind of go towards a self-righteous mindset to where my righteousness is equated because of the good things that I'm doing. Now, again, We've been created for good works, the Bible says. That's a that's a New Testament theme. So I understand that works don't save us, but if we're really saved, we're going to have good works. However, again, my point in, in sharing what I'm sharing in my book as well as here today on this program is that we can have we can have all those works. We can have all those external displays, but our hearts can be separate from an intimate experience and relationship with the Lord. And if we're not careful, we can get into danger because...
because we equate those good works with righteousness. And so again, I mean, I know it's kind of a heavy subject and and sometimes it might even be hard to kind of um, differentiate um, these things. However, I think the the focus here and the mandate that I'm really trying to impress upon the the listeners today is the fact that everything that we do must be done from a pure heart, which only comes through a stewarded relationship with the Lord. And you know, one of one of the most frightful um, passages of Scripture to me, probably the most frightening passage of Scripture to me in the New Testament, is Matthew. 7, 21 through 23, where the Lord says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Um, you know, to, to some folks who study theology, these verses generate some heated um, discourse or discussion regarding the ability or, or the lack of ability to lose one's salvation. And I understand why this is a reality, but but despite you know the ongoing theological discussion about this narrative, let's let's simply look at it and see what it means, even on a surface level, where you know you don't need theological training and hermeneutics to figure it out. So when I read this, I must be honest. And tell you that to me, this is the most challenging, maybe horrifying passage in the entirety of the New Testament. By that I mean, can you imagine the horror, the alarm, the disbelief that this group of people will be gripped with on the day that they stand before the Lord and hear their fateful end as he announces to them that I never knew you? I am sure that they will immediately reflect upon the fact that that their works included prophecy. Man, they were casting out demons. They had signs. They had wonders, etc. However, even with all their religious and ministerial exploits and track records, the truth is that their hearts never belonged to Jesus. And he was nothing more than uh, a figurehead, pretty much, that enabled them to build their own self-righteous kingdoms. The the sad fact is that they hijacked the name of Jesus to promote self, all the while believing the lie that their works, and this is what I was trying to point out a, a couple minutes ago, their works equated to righteousness. So, so again, this is um, this is this is intense, and I understand that, but. The fact that there is a group of people that could move in miracle signs and wonders, but their hearts be separated from God is staggering. However, I've even seen this throughout ministry. There are people that have gifts and they have callings and and the Lord maybe at one time even had them in an intimate place with him and they were faithful to that intimate place, that first love experience. But over the years, somehow they got dull to their walk with God and, and they embraced uh a type of ministry mindset to where it all, it all became about the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, and and the things that they can do. And and sadly, many of them begin to crave the recognition for that, and and they entered into this this 
weird form of ministry activity that was not bringing glory to Jesus as they began to build their own kingdom. So, so again, this is this is important. It's something that I believe that we need to process. And, and those of you that are maybe in, in, in some type of leadership role, maybe you're overseeing a church, maybe you're a, a missionary, maybe you're a, a Christian business owner, I think that, that, you know, we need to heed these things all the more. I mean, we all should heed these things, of course. But the Bible said that those of us that even teach the scriptures, that, that preach the word, there's going to be a more severe judgment that we will face. And we'll give an account for the way that we lived our lives, the way that we ministered the kingdom of God, the way that we um, revealed who Jesus Jesus really is. So so these things are are very important. There's, there's another... Um, um, Another place in the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 14 through 17, where, um, you know, there were a, a group of, of people, and we read here of a Jewish chief priest who was named Sceva, and he had seven sons. And they literally attempted to cast a demon out, but the result was that the man possessed with the evil spirit, the Bible says he leaped on them. And these seven men fled the house, injured and naked. And and I believe this is a picture of how dangerous and deceptive false submission really is. It is easy to put miracles and supernatural power on the same level with a true and devout relationship with Jesus. But I'm telling you, they are not the same. And this dangerous miscalculation has deceived many throughout the years. So here we see these seven sons of this Jewish chief priest named Sceva, and they are trying to do miraculous things, but their hearts do not belong to the Lord. And they were fascinated with the power, fascinated with probably the miraculous dynamic of that, the supernatural dynamic of that, but their hearts were not given over to the Lord. And listen, I've seen people even in recent years, man, they are enthralled with the supernatural, whether it be prophecy, um, healings, um, whatever. I mean, any of the nine gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge, and they, they, they go from one place to another to see a miracle, to get a word from God, and all this kind of stuff. But they never really give their hearts to the Lord. They just become overwhelmed and fascinated with the miraculous and with the supernatural. And I'm telling you that there is a grave danger connected to that, my friend. Our focus has to be Jesus um, if not, there is a danger to fall into deception, even to fall into self-righteousness. So, so let me let me share some things with you. Here, here are some questions that I believe you can ask yourself today as you examine your heart and contemplate the depth or the lack thereof of submission to Jesus that you really live or ascribe to. Um, number one, is your submission to, is your submission to Jesus primarily for others to behold? Or do you long to please the Lord despite what others think about you? So in other words, there are many people that publicly they appear submitted to Jesus, but there's no private secret place of prayer and relationship with the Lord. And what they do, they they do it so that others will look at them and they'll say, "What a man of God! What a woman of God!" and and they're all about their their titles and their their recognition. They have to be called by a title and they have to be recognized as superior or elite. Friend, if that's your mindset, there's something wrong. There's there's something off in your life. I believe that. 
I believe in spiritual authority and all that kind of stuff in the right biblical context, but I believe much of what we call authority and, and recognition is no more than pride and self-righteousness. So, so why do you submit to the Lord? Do you submit in public so that people will think you're holy, or do you live a secret, pure life of intimacy before the Lord? Number two, do you go to great lengths to appear holy and submitted to God in the presence of others as the Pharisees did. The the Pharisees, the scribes, they were people that were known for their, their holy appearance and you know they 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 lived in such a way that people looked at them as pure and righteous and holy, but inside they were not really focused upon an intimate relationship with the Lord. What they did, they did in order to gain recognition and status in the community, so to speak. And friend, is that your heart today? I mean, are you one of those people that that you're warning again? And I kind of mentioned this in the first question, but are you warning people to look at you and see how holy you are? This is called self-righteousness, and it's a very um, deceptive thing that's rooted in pride, and it's it's a dangerous thing that destroys many. Listen, are, number three, are the origins of your Christian um, actions rooted in an ongoing revelation of the love of Jesus for you and the price He paid on the cross? You see, that's that's the root, that's the foundation, that's the that's the main, the paramount main thing, friend. When we live our lives and we even do ministry, it has to be done out of a continual revelation of the price that Jesus paid for us when he shed his blood on the cross. In other words, some of the greatest ministers throughout history, some of those that I believe will be rewarded the greatest in eternity are the ones that went to places where there was no recognition by man, but they laid their lives down, maybe for a village, maybe for a people group, maybe for an island somewhere. And, you know, there was no... No fame, there was no popularity, but they literally gave themselves to others because the because of the revelation that Jesus had given himself to them. My friend, that's the picture of true righteousness. Number four, are you zealous for supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles simply because they fascinate you or because you long to see the church encouraged and others set free? Do you have compassion? Jesus was moved with compassion. He had the heart of the Father. Friend, is that your heart? Is that what motivates you today? Number five, do you equate submission to the Lord with outward ministry displays? Friend, there is a big difference. I've already shared that, but let me just hit it again here. You can have outward um, displays. You can have external ministry activity and not be submitted to the Lord. They are not the same. They are not the same. That's why we have to examine our hearts. Um, next, when you hear that there will be those who have done miraculous things in the name of Jesus, and yet the Lord will tell them that he never knew them, does this disturb you? And if so, why? Listen, friend, what I'm sharing today actually can be disturbing to people. I've, uh, you know, I've heard these type of messages called legalistic and, and outdated, so to speak, but if this disturbs you, then I would just ask the question, why do you feel disturbed? Maybe there's something in your life that the Lord is trying to put his finger upon. And, and maybe you agree with what I'm saying. But, but when you hear that there will be those that do signs and wonders and miracles that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, friend, that's a heavy-duty thing. And Jesus will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. 
Friend, that is that's intense, but I believe it, it should cause a holy, healthy fear. Um, it should cause us to to search our hearts and say, Lord, if there's any wayward mindset in me, please reveal that to me and and search my heart. I'll be honest with you. I, I live in repentance, not condemnation. I don't uh, condemnation's from the devil, but as far as my lifestyle, I live in such a way that I ask the Lord, search me daily, Lord. If there's anything that's built on self-righteousness or pride or arrogance or wanting people to see me or know me, then Lord, please strip that away from me. Please expose that to me. And even if it's painful to get that out of my life, God, I want it out. I want it taken out of my life. I don't want to, I don't want to be found as one living in deception, thinking that because I have a ministry and because I've done this and that, that everything's okay with you, Lord. No, I, I want to know that my life is pure before the Lord. Again, I'm not talking about a works-based, legalistic mindset, but I'm talking about an intimacy-based love, radical love for Jesus mindset that fuels everything that I am, everything that I do, that I don't want to fall into self-righteousness and pride and arrogance and even self-justification. I want to know that my heart is pure before the Lord. I, 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 I want to live in a place of, of, of meekness, as painful as it might be at times, to admit that, hey, I failed and I am in the flesh and I'm in Keith and not in Jesus and I'm doing this through talent and through gifting or through learned behavior patterns. Lord, if there's any of that in my life, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, please reveal that to me. Expose that. Polarize that to me. Let me not get comfortable in ministry expressions or in ministry activity, but Lord, stir my heart to righteousness. And 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 the last question here, as I as I get ready to close, are you willing to humble yourself and ask the Lord to search your heart and reveal any areas that would cause you to be deceived by a false or deceptive form? Of submission, and again, um, friend, there are many people that do many great things on the outward or on the outside, externally. However, their hearts are far from the Lord, and I believe it can cause a deception. So, listen, my friend. Um, I know this is not an easy message to share, um, but I believe that that it's important for us to know why we do what we do. And to ask the Lord to purify that, to ask the Lord to to put his fire in our lives, to, to purge us from anything that deals with mixture or anything that deals with self. And, um, and, and that he would break in and bring change and bring victory and bring healing. And I, I want to pray for you right now as I close. I want to pray that, that if there's anyone listening to me today that, that the Lord is dealing with especially, you know, maybe there's some areas that you know that are off. And it could be just, you know, maybe a, a hyper focus on a certain part of ministry that's void of intimacy with Jesus. And you do it so that others think you're pure and think you're whole, whatever it might be. It could be a subtle thing. And we all deal with these things. In no way am I telling you that I'm perfect in these things. We all deal with them. But let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for every listener today, whether they are leading a church, whether they are working a job, maybe it's even someone that's staying at home and working and taking care of children. Lord, if there's anything in our lives that is founded on self-righteousness, pride, arrogance, a desire to be seen and known, Father, I pray that 
you would reveal that to us. Purify us. Wash us in your blood. And may we be a people that know you in an intimate and in a glorious way. We give you our hearts afresh. And we say, Jesus, do in us what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We love you. We pray the favor and the blessing of the Lord be upon your life. And we look forward to being back with you again next week. We're going to continue this first love fire theme a few more weeks. And I pray that you are being blessed. God bless you. And we'll see you again soon. Have a blessed week in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. Dot org.